1: Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gomeno.com. That's podcast.g Hi David Thomas. Hey Sissy Goff. How are you? Doing
0: well. How are you? I'm doing well myself. Okay, we're going to talk about responsibility. A really important one. Before we go there, though, I think we need to talk a little bit about our responsibility growing up. I just think I have to tell the truth as we start to talk about it because I'm feeling a little convicted. So we both had really amazing moms.
1: We sure did.
0: We both have lost our moms. We miss them lots. And our moms were really different, probably, in how they tried to instill responsibility with us. I was trying to think of something that I was responsible for when I was growing up. And I just need to preface this to say I was an only child. My mom had some trouble getting pregnant. And so I was very, very, very adored. And I think she really didn't think I was going to get here. And so I can't think of one thing I was responsible for. (laughs) That's terrible, mom. You were such an amazing mom. But... I became a one somehow in the midst of all that. And so I developed my own responsibility. Now, we are not saying if you have only children, they still really need to be responsible for things. But I made my bed every day just because of my own wherewithal and oneness as an Enneagram. But your mom hit it out of the park on responsibility.
1: I did have a lot of responsibilities. <laughs> you did. <laughs> so much so that I remember my wife saying early on, like, wow, you make a mean bed and you clean the bathroom really well, too. And you're good at loading the dishwasher. Like, there was a lot of training happening Barbara was on my amazing. mom's wife. She was amazing. But, you know, as I think about my parents and I think about responsibility, I will share a quick story of when responsibility <laughs> went off the rails. When I was in elementary school, I grew up in a small town and my dad was the superintendent of schools. And somewhere along the way, I made the connection that my dad was the guy who made the call on whether you got out of school or not when it snowed. Wow. Yes. And so I took some responsibility with that knowledge and went to school one day and told all my friends when it was predicted to snow the next day that if they would bring me a quarter— I would make sure school was called off.
0: David, you did not.
1: I did. And I came home. My backpack was insanely heavy, of course, because I had all these quarters that all these kids brought me. <laughs> and my mom <laughs> went to move my backpack at some point and noticed it was incredibly heavy. Opened it up, found all these quarters. No. I can still remember her walking toward me holding these Ziploc bags <laughs> full of quarters and was like, where did these come from? Yeah.
2: What'd you say? My
1: very responsible mother sent my responsible self back to school that next day with an apology note I had to read out loud to the whole class <laughs> and hand their quarters out. It's say so I did not have that power. Hmm. Doesn't that sound when just like Tom, my mom? She was the best. I know. Yes. It was a lot of money, too. And I was so excited about having that power for a little bit of time.
0: <laughs> I, bet I was not you responsible with
1: my power. So let's talk about how we can teach responsibility. Can I throw out an idea first? Yes in an earlier season when I was talking about boys, I ran down a short list of the top five ways that they learn. And a quick refresher on that would be that they are early on tactile and kinesthetic learners, and then they grow into being visual, spatial, and experiential learners. So tactile, kinesthetic, visual, spatial, experiential. Do you notice that nowhere in that top five list did I say he is primarily an auditory learner. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that's easy to make with boys is that we do too much prompting, redirecting, talking at, talking to. And so I think it's some, there are a lot of layers, but I think it's some of why boys can often seem more irresponsible where girls can seem more responsible in that space, because we're giving a lot of verbal instruction that is not always landing on him. And so I would issue this challenge I think it's beneficial for girls too, you can tell me, but I think for boys in particular to use a lot of charts and visuals. Mm. And I think it accomplishes two things. One, I think it's a better match for how he learns. Two, I think it keeps us out of that space of, I think we can just end up in a trap, a cycle of a lot of nagging and prompting and asking, did you do this? Why didn't you do this? As opposed to having some catchphrases like, you know what? Go check the chart. And if they've got a, chart of things they're responsible to do in their room, like making their bed and bringing down their dirty clothes, that sort of thing. You could have a chart in the bathroom of things they're responsible for. You could have a chart in the living room, in the kitchen, and allows kids to move toward the responsibility of reminding themselves what they're responsible for and helping us step out of that place of a lot of talk, a lot of nagging, a lot of prompting.
0: That's so good. Yeah. Yes, I think that works well for girls too, especially if they have any attention hurdles.
1: Yes. It can be really
0: important. So I would add to that that we want to start really young. Yes. If we're starting young, we're talking about young. We got to talk a little bit about Henry.
1: Always. Always.
0: My little almost three year old nephew. And you know how one of his best avenues for learning responsibility right now is Daniel Tiger. Love Daniel Tiger. Me too. And so I will often hear him cleaning up his toys, singing the cleanup song from Daniel Tiger. And I think that's such a great, we're going to talk more about different ways to get them to do it, but I think it's such a great way to do it. And so thinking about even starting that young, that kids ages three to five can start to learn responsibility by doing things like cleaning up their toys, singing the cleanup song, putting dirty clothes in a hamper. They can carry one, I would say probably non-breakable plate to the kitchen. They can help pour pet food in the pet bowl. They really love to clean, even though they're not very helpful. Also, one of Henry's favorite toys on the planet is a dust buster. So giving them a little dust buster, or a little broom, things like that. Five to six-year-olds can help with setting and clearing the table. They can help with loading and unloading the dishwasher. They can do A little bit of cooking. They can help pull weeds, water flowers, all the things in the list before. And typically before six, we probably want to do the task with them or nearby them. And then, of course, the older they get, the more they can do. So six to 11, we don't have to supervise them anymore. They can take out the garbage. They can keep their rooms clean. They can learn to help with laundry. There's so many different things. And teenagers obviously should be doing things, helping around the house, They're not going to want to probably as much. That pleasing you bone is not as strong at that point, but I think it's so great to still require it. What would you add to that, David?
1: You know, I was thinking back on us talking about the ages and stages, and I have laughed over the years and said, when I talk about stage three boys, which is nine to 12 year olds, I talk about how they are at their best when they're outdoors and unplugged like Mm -hmm. not on technology, outdoors, exploring the world, and that stage four boys, which is 13 to 17-year-old boys, are at their best when they are employed Mm. and exhausted from a sports practice. (laughs) They're at their best when those two things are in play. And when I think about the employed piece, I really do wish that every kid by the time they graduate from high school could have at least one part-time job. Even if that's not employed by a place, you know, to have done some babysitting, I was gonna to have say, done for girls some babysitting, yes, yes, pet sitting, lawn mowing, car washing—we could run down a list. I just met with a kid this week who has an unbelievable pet sitting business. I mean, I'm convinced he may be making more than me at the current moment. Like it's just amazing, and he has passed out flyers all over his neighborhood. And it's so fun to see not only the sense of purpose he's experiencing through that, but what also happens with kids when they have these opportunities is they learn to save money, they learn to steward money, they learn to give money away, spend money wisely, all those things. The other things that I think come from those opportunities of working are that they are accountable to other voices, which I think is great training ground for kids. You know, when girls babysit, that the moms are going to give them feedback on how the kids did and how the house was cleaned up or not when they came home, those kind of things that I think... Working under other voices is part of how they grow and develop in some really amazing ways. I also think kids working is a great context for learning time management, for problem solving, critical thinking. I mean, just layers and layers of benefit that are connected to kids developing responsibility. So I would say hold on to these ideas, but let's throw out a few last practical ideas as we think forward.
0: Well, I'm going to add a little practical idea before you do that, because there's one that I think is important as you're talking about that, because I have a friend, I'm not going to say his name, that he and his family, his brothers had a pet sitting business when they were growing up and they only lost one dog. (laughs) It might be good as you're thinking about helping, if your child is going to do that, to give some really good, strong instructions. And I think you did that with Lily, with your daughter, before she would babysit. I feel like you said, now you clean the kitchen when you're there, yes. that we give them some practical tools. So maybe before they have the other voice, we're the first voice giving them yes. some guidance, especially adolescents whose frontal lobes aren't finished developing.
1: I think my wife said to our daughter, like, the worst thing you could do to a mother is have her come home after a night out to a dirty kitchen. Yes. So don't ever forget to clean up.
0: I love that. Because that's
1: so key. Yes. So yes, you're right. Good coaching on the front <laughs> on side, the front good accountability on the back side. Yeah. That's great. We are so thrilled to be partnering with our friends at Minnow to bring back the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. We all know that devices are here to stay. So if you want to make screen time meaningful for your kids, Minnow is for you. A new streaming service designed just for kids. Minnow has over 2000 episodes of fun and faith-filled shows that have been carefully curated by moms, dads, and church leaders so it's safe for your family. Check them out at podcast.gomeno.com. That's podcast.gominno.com to start your free trial. Sissy, we just spoke in town last night and reminded the parents in the room about putting on their oxygen mask first. That great reminder that flight attendants give parents when they board flights.
0: With summer rolling around and kids home more hours of the week than ever, that reminder feels so important.
1: A hilarious dad who works from home told me last night at the book table that when school ends, sometimes his sanity does as well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know who could help that dad out? Our friends at Wendy. Wendy is here to help parents relieve the stress in finding high-quality sitters when they need them.
1: I am talking daily with parents who are worried about summer childcare logistics.
0: Wendy offers a nanny service where they match college students with families for the summer.
1: We all love summer, and your kids especially love summer, but we lose the consistent schedule of kids in school. This creates all kinds of problems.
0: Thankfully, there is a solution to this problem. Wendy, that's W-Y-N-D-Y, is an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These college student nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly just awesome.
1: Wendy has been around for seven years. Over 20,000 families have used Wendy to complete more than 140,000 jobs. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy ready to work near you.
0: Families have greater childcare needs in the summer and college students are looking for jobs. Wendy is here to match families to these college nannies. Everybody wins. This could be part-time or full-time. Wendy has a match for your needs.
1: All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash rbg to start a search for a nanny, and as a special offer, they are going to knock $50 off your search if you go through that link.
0: Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of a traditional nanny agency and no ongoing fees.
1: Here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash rbg to start your search.
0: A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you, you choose the one you like.
1: Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. Go to wyndy.com/rbg. I was thinking about a practical idea, you know, when we were talking about charts on the front side of this conversation and chores you know, we laugh that age old phrase of there is an app for everything. There really is an app even for keeping up with chores. There just are so many great apps out there that can simplify that process because I think, you know, for parents who have multiple children, it can be difficult to remember what everyone's particular responsibility is. And if you link allowance to chores, it can be difficult to remember who accomplished what chores, therefore gets what amount. And so I love that there are apps to simplify those things so that parents can still lean into the benefits of building responsibility by kids doing chores, which there is just unbelievable amounts of research that speak to the benefits of kids having opportunities to do chores. Now, with that said, we would want to note that I think it is important if you do have allowance connected to chores, that there are certain things that kids are responsible for that should just be family contributions. Just because you're a member of the family. Sorry, Helen. (laughs) This is your (laughs) responsibility and you're not paid for everything. So tell us another.
0: Well, I'm going to have to quote my all-time favorite character. Maybe she's where I learned more about responsibility. Mary Poppins, who says, in every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Find the fun and snap. The job's a game. And that would be the thing I would say is make it fun, especially with younger ones. So there are a lot of different things you could do. You can do, I feel like you talk about this with boys all the time, a speed game. That really works with Henry. Anytime they feel like it's a race of who can clean up faster or something like that, sing a song, create some kind of narrative around the job or the responsibility, like you're rescuing all the toys from hot lava or you're pirates searching for treasure in the ocean and the toys are treasure. And something we have to say, I feel like every other episode, maybe we mentioned this, but a great way and research has proven that a great way to teach kids responsibility is to get a pet. So they can even work towards proving that they're responsible enough to have a pet if they're wanting one and that they're showing that they're doing the chores and things that are required. So make it fun and get a pet.
1: I love that you threw that in there.
0: Of
2: course.
1: And lastly, I would add to keep a list, a running list of odd jobs hanging on the refrigerator or somewhere in the house that kids see an opportunity to earn extra money. So... If you are connecting chores to allowance, and that's one way to earn, there are some extra ways to earn that for those kids who aren't quite old enough, for those ideas we threw out like lawn mowing, car washing, pet sitting, babysitting, yet that there are opportunities of things they could do around the house. I know a lot of kids whose grandparents keep a running list, and when they come for visits there, they even have opportunities to earn some extra money in those spaces as well. So thinking about all these ideas as opportunities to help build responsibility into the kids and adolescents we love.
0: And that responsibility can not only be fun, but that it's going to take some practice. And they're going to get there, and they're going to make progress, and then they're going to lose progress, but we're moving towards a really great thing in their lives that builds confidence and can even strengthen us together as a family.
1: Now Melissa's going to give us some Timeless Truths.
2: About 25 years ago, I bought a lake house up in Kentucky. And that lake house became a gathering place for groups of kids from Daystar. All summer long, different age groups would come up. We called it Hopetown because it was a place that spread hope to those who were having a hard time. And then we began to add on. I think the first thing we added on was a screen porch, and I can still see... All the families, the kids, their fathers, moms out there painting, cutting wood, standing on the ladders, building that screen porch. And then there was a cottage so that guests could stay. And then there was a bunkhouse so the boys would have their own place. And then there was a sleeping porch. And then there was a boy's bungalow. Then there was a girls' bungalow, and then there was an outdoor kitchen, and then there was a bakery, and then there was a craft place. It grew, obviously, which meant there was a lot to take care of. Thank goodness for responsible people, responsible kids, responsible staff that would come up and help. It might be cut a tree down, it may be paint or weed-eating and doing something with all the poison ivy that was there, or the snakes, but folks would come. This carried over into Town summer, and one of the things that people will often ask me is, how do you take care of this place? Why does this place look so good during the summer when there are all these kids there? Well, I love this part. It's because the kids take care of it. They are responsible for Hopetown. There are no cooks there. They cook. They clean up from their cooking, which is usually a big ordeal. They clean. They each have their chores that they are responsible for. They will many times build something, pull weeds, whatever needs to be done. They are responsible for Hopetown. What, what is it? What is it? that happens during that time, that those kids, whether they are second graders or whether they're 12th graders, really come together and have a sense of responsibility for Hope Town. Well, I have three words. The first word that I would say to you is respect. Philippians 1, 3 through 7 talks about, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus. This is one of my favorite scriptures that is a promise that he has begun a good work. And when I think about kids being responsible I believe a good work has started in them. I believe they have been entrusted to your care, but he has begun a good work in them. And I think as you begin to respect that they are capable, and this is something I say so often and I really believe, is that we don't respect kids enough to entrust to them responsibilities, to give them responsibilities, to give them jobs. So often we'll step in and do it for them. We'll want to help them. What I have seen with the kids at Town is when you believe they're capable, you respect them when you give them responsibility. And you remember that it's God who began a good work and he has entrusted them to your care. Don't do it for them. Respect that they are capable at a young age to be responsible. Of course, it's age appropriate. I love seeing a fourth grader with a broom in their hand. I love walking in the bakery, seeing the kids all with mops. And usually they're using them as microphones to sing and dance with. But there's something about giving that responsibility and saying, you may sing, you may be so silly when you do this, but I do believe you're capable. So the first thing is respect them. The second thing is to expect. Be clear about what you want them to do, your expectations. I am so often vague. A lot of times it's like, I want you to go in and clean your room. Or I'll say at Hopetown, somebody clean the Jeep. And then they'll come back 10 minutes later and say, it's clean. And I'll walk out and they did nothing that I wanted them to do. But I didn't tell them specifics. You may say, you have a responsibility with your younger brother to be kind. And then tell him, kindness for you today means you're going to help him put that puzzle together. And you're going to encourage him. You're going to say Good job. Give them expectations. I love the list in Colossians 3, 12 through 14. There's so many lists in the New Testament, and, and I have found kids love descriptions of something and can choose and look on there. Here's where I'm strong, here's what I do really well, and here's what I mess up so often. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 talks about you're chosen by God for this new life and you dress in the wardrobe and you put on compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive. It goes on and gives you specifics. Kids need that from you. At Hopetown, they make their beds, but they need to be shown how. Here's how you make a bed. The last word is inspect. First one, respect. Second one, expect. The last one, inspect. To look at what they've done. It's not to inspect so you can punish them. It's not to inspect like a military officer. It's to inspect what they've done because you care. You want to see what they've done if it's sweeping, if it's how they talk to their grandparents, it means you care. It means you notice them. I, for years, have nagged our boys at camp down the bunkhouse. Here's what you do. Here's what I did, the things that I'm telling you. I respected that they could keep the bunkhouse clean. I expected and gave them clear examples of what to do, but I never would go down there. Not sure if I was afraid to or what, but I never would go down. And I think they began to believe I really didn't care how they took care of the bunkhouse. But when I would go down, it made all the difference in the world. They would be so proud. They knew I cared about them and how responsible they could be. And with that, as the last thing I would say, is encourage them. Hebrews 10, 24, Talks about encouragement and it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. How can we spur them on is by encouraging. I can't thank you enough for helping me paint this table. While you have made such a difference in your brother's life, just saying to him, I am so proud of you, way to go, encouraging and helping spur them on to responsibility. So often we do what we don't want them to do is criticize or complain. If you had done it this way, let me show you how to do it. I've told you five times, if you're going to clean the Jeep, this is how you do it. Our criticalness can be so deflating, an attitude of encouragement to respect and believe who they can be and what they can do. Give them their expectations and be clear about it. And then show that you care by inspecting what they've done. And as you look at what they've done, encourage, spur them on as they are entrusted to your care.
1: The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family, which shows kids love and values parents' trust. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com.